the Black Menace Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Weaver, and I'm here with my other host. Nate Bird. Happy to be on the show as always. Yes, and this week we have a very special guest for you guys, Andre Johnson, who is a longtime friend of both me and Nate. And um, Andre, we'll just have you introduce yourself real briefly and then we'll hop to the Menace moment, but go ahead. Yeah, my name is Andre from Houston, Texas. Um, yeah. Also, before we get started, I just want to give a huge shout out to the Black Menaces. This is probably the best thing that black students at BYU has ever done. And I'm so happy to call y'all my best friends. Aww. Love Andre. He's been a part of my, B- my journey since the beginning of BYU. Mm-hmm. He met my mom and grandma in the bookstore when I first moved in. I first <laughs> you met my dad too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And they were like, this guy named Andre, Andre, who, um, my grandma was like, he's a little black man. I was like. Yeah, Mama Weaver. Send a no, hug to Mama Weaver. A shout out. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> For the um, Menace moment today, I'm going to share about something that happened uh, recently. Um, Justin Peterson is one of the representatives from Tennessee that was kicked out of the meeting, but I I've heard they've been reinstated this mm-hmm. past week. Yep. Um, but yeah, I'm going to just talk about Justin, who was the, one of the African-American people who mm-hmm. had been removed. Are so you going to talk about the situation, too? I'm sorry? Are you going to talk about the situation, too? Like, what happened? I wasn't. You can, but I was just going to talk about him. But Okay, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll look that okay. up while you I'll, talk I'll about talk about him, and then you can do the situation, okay? Okay. So... Justin Peterson was born in Memphis, Tennessee on January 7th, 1995. January 7th is also my mom's birthday. Shout out to the Capricorns. Um, But what's cool is his father was a preacher and then his mother uh, was a teacher. And at 11 years old, his family moved from Tennessee in the South to Washington, D.C. when his father uh, got a master's degree at Howard. And then after that, four years later, he moved back to Memphis um, when, he, when he went to the previous um, high school district that he was in before. And here uh, it was a very, he talks about his experience in going to school in you know Virginia, the DMV area versus going to a school down there in Memphis, which was, um, okay, yeah, I thought I was trying to get the name, because it, it was in the inner city of Mem- Memphis and he was able to see really the ways that his school was underfunded. Um, and so he, this is kind of what led him into wanting to be involved in politics. And so this in high school, he started working in the student government um, and he lobbied for textbooks and more AP classes for his school. And then he also was on the debate team and he graduated as the valedictorian of his high school class. And then in 2017, he graduated Bowdoin College, in front, which is in Maine, and he majored in government and legal studies and minored in education studies. And then while he was there, he was accepted to the Summer Policy, the Summer Public Policy Institute at the Princeton School of Public and International Affairs um, for to finish his master's degree after that. And then he started his political career um, working for different people uh, in the Democratic Party. He started working for Barbara Cooper to be elected um, for a special election. And then he ended up getting appointed to his position that he has now um, in the Tennessee uh, House of Representatives on October 25th, 2002. And he 
represents the, I think the 86th district um, covering parts of the city of Memphis. Um, and then, yes. Okay. Yes. And then if you want to go into his story about what happened, um, something that I just think is really cool about his story is that he's so young. And I feel like this is what we need in um, politics right now. We have a lot of older people, obviously, who run so many things, but for him um, being so young, representing um, kind of the Gen Z, he's a little bit out of Gen Z, but still like representing a lot of our ideals. And I'm seeing more and more young people running for office. I know in Chicago, a tidbit about my hometown is they had a 27 year old um, Jamal Green run for mayor and I loved his points um, and they were great. So I'm just excited to see more and more younger, younger people running for office. So you go go ahead, Nate, and go into the situation about what happened um, this past week. Okay, for sure, for sure. It's kind of hard to find, like, stuff from a couple days ago. Um, It's just all talking about how how Mm -hmm. Justin Pearson was recently reinstated. But essentially what happened was uh, Justin Pearson and Justin Jones, who are two Democratic uh, representatives in the Tennessee legislature, um, they staged a protest um, in order to – to basically, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not campaign, but uh, promote. They wanted they wanted gun control laws to be instated in the state mm-hmm. um, after the shooting that took place at the bank um, in Nashville, and so they held a protest to to say we want gun control laws. And Republicans in the legislature decided to vote them out of out of their seats. Um, and then there was another representative. I can't find her name right now. I believe her first name is Gloria. Um, but she was another Democrat, and she barely. Oh, here's. Uh, let me see, Gloria Johnson. Yeah, so Gloria Johnson. She's a sixty-year-old white woman. She barely escaped getting um, getting voted out, um, and so I think as of now, Justin Jones has been voted back in. Yes. And or has been reinstated, I should say. And uh, yes. Justin Pearson is trying to get reinstated, or is is on the way to getting reinstated. Um, yeah. But yeah, they were voted out by a bunch of angry white Republicans who didn't want gun control laws, probably because they're all getting paid by the NRA or whoever. Mm. Um, but yeah, so, you know, they weren't fairly expelled from, from the legislature. And so they've been reinstated and uh, they are continuing to represent for, for black people in Congress. Period. Yeah. And I love listening to them talk like the recording from the, um, legislative session mm-hmm. uh it felt very much like reminiscent of the civil rights movement and just like the power that they brought i it was just very powerful to witness that in people so young so passionate mm-hmm. which you know i feel like the country needs at this point because things are returning to how they used to be in a in a bad way like right. make america great again that slogan that trump came up with that is what we are going to because yeah, what that was yeah, it, it meant like when things were good for white people, you know, and, and that's genuinely what is happening across this country with the different laws that are being passed, um, you know, and not just with around black people and other minorities and immigrants, but also around LGBTQ plus individuals. It's just like it's getting out of hand, like people are having less rights. I um, I think um, one of my line sisters went to Delta uh, days at the nation's capital in D.C., mm-hmm. and they were saying we have less rights today than they did back in the 60s when they were working for the civil rights movement because of all the smaller laws that have slowly been put into place in these, you know, conservative red Republican states. Mm -hmm. Plus the overturning of Roe v. Wade. 
Yep. You know, that those kinds of things. And they're trying to, you know, the, in Texas, they're trying to outlaw abortion pills, mm-hmm. you know, being mailed to your house. Um, okay. I saw something about that where, yeah, there uh, a judge down there said it made it illegal, and then another judge overturned that, and now it's, you know, they're, they're trying to take it all the way up to the Supreme Court. Um, yes, things are wild. Yes. And every time you jump on on Twitter, on Reddit, on CNN, wherever, I guess nobody nobody watches CNN anymore. But like when you get on social media, you see the news is always just crazy stuff, and most of it is having to do with politicians. I saw an article that said that Congress is older than it's ever been, meaning that like the average age is like higher than it's ever been before in history, and it just keeps getting older. And it's like these people who are are in there making these decisions, they're not, they don't have our best interests at heart at all. They don't care about the next generation. They care about what choices they can make that will make them, you know, popular in the eyes of, of their, their coworkers. And then also whatever's going to get the most money in their pocket. That's, that's really what mm-hmm. it's all about. You ain't lying. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> love it here. We love it over here. <laughs> well, we got, listen, I, I want to go home. Take me back to take my black ass back to Africa. But. Let me take, let me take the DNA test because um, you know I'm quite a mix over here. But uh, is is okay. Well, we're ready for this interview with um, Andre. Well, but first, before we ask you some questions, go ahead and introduce yourself a little more and give people kind of a background on not just where you're from, but kind of like your your background growing up and what led you to come to Utah. Yeah. Oh, what led me to come to Utah? That's the question. <laughs> the Lord. What I'm the blackest person I know. What made me come to Utah? <laughs> I don't know. So um, you know. Yeah, so a little of my background, um, since we're talking about Utah, um, I feel like I can't talk about Utah without talking about the church, you know, the Mormon church. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I joined the Mormon church when I was fourteen. Um, but I had previously been part of the Baptist Church, you know, the very, you know, the very, very black Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I joined the Mormon Church, which is obviously extremely different, you know, very white, you know, no clapping, no drums. You know, the most we get is an amen here and there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm um, when I was 14, um, you know, went to BYU, the Mormon College here in Utah. And uh, two years ago, transferred from BYU to the school down the street at UVU. Now I have two more semesters to go, and I can leave this place for good. You're not trying to stay? Build a life? <laughs> you know, I applied all of you black people who stay in Utah after you graduate. Baby, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. It's easy to get trapped here, though. Like, mm-hmm. it's very easy. Yeah, I think just with my, what I want to do, I just don't see me doing that here in Utah, which is teach. I want to be a right. teacher. I just think being a teacher here in Utah would. It's, it, it is, it's different. Especially it would be with different. You're going to be looking at them kids different. Exactly. Well, you especially what you want to do, Andre. There's people like you'd have to really train some kids to know how to do it. Because, you you know, you're very good at That's Andre true. wants to be like a music teacher. Um, and he's very good at uh, he taught himself how to play piano. Right. But anyway, we'll get into all of this. But um, yeah. oh, he's very good at keyboard. gospel music. And if. <laughs> You teach your soulful songs. That's going to be a challenge for some people. <laughs> Facts. This is true. Jagger, Jagger, not going to be able to pick up on it the same as Levante. But mm. Not Levante. Anyway. All right, y'all just ask me some questions, specific questions, and I got you. For sure, for sure. So, where would you say you're at um, in your faith now? Because you know you were in the Baptist church, then you were in the LDS church. 
Um, and like, those are two very different things. So like, what was your, like, what was the process of you like joining the church? Why did you do that? And then where would you say you're at right now? Yeah. You know, originally when I was 14, you know, I've always been one to make my own decisions. Mm-hmm. I think most of the best decisions I've made in my life were decisions that I've made for myself. So even as, you know, a mm-hmm. young teenager, um, I've always made my decisions. Um, and that decision, you know, my dad let me make was to join the Mormon church when I was 14, was to leave my Baptist church and join the Mormon church. And I think I originally joined um, because, you know, I guess they, it felt right, you know. Was I the only black person? Yeah. Um, but I think it kind of gave me something that I wasn't used to, I wasn't comfortable. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I, that I can't, that kind of like made me um, join the the Mormon church was, I think, families, you know, to see mm-hmm. all these people, you know, with their children, you know, wife and husband. Um, and and the, the Baptist church, you know, it was, you know, common to see, uh, you know, married couples, um, but it was more common in the Mormon church, right? And so I think that was a big thing. So resources, you know, if we're being honest, they had a mm-hmm. lot of resources in the LDS Mormon church that the Black Baptist church didn't have. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I think I think that was the big thing was resources, um, and at that point in my life, I just wanted something new, and and I got it. So, yeah. what was your family's reaction, or even like your church family? Because I know sometimes church is not just a thing you attend; it's like cultural as well for the LDS church too. Mm-hmm. So, like, what was that like when um, for your immediate and extended family? Like, what was their reaction? Did they accept it? Other than your dad, obviously, mm-hmm. who was like, "Go ahead." But was it hard for them? Did it create conflict or were they, did they kind of go with it? You know, it's funny. When you said my dad, I, I remember something. I remember asking him if I can get baptized. And he was like, yo, like, are you sure this is what you want to do, little nigga? And I was like, um, <laughs> yeah, this, I think this what. And he was like, and he originally, I think he said no. And I remember crying that night. And then he called me back and said, if this is what you want to do, then do it. So I did it. But as for my family, um, you know, they, they really didn't care. Um, you know, they didn't attend the Baptist church with me, so it wasn't like, you know, you know, he's leaving our church. He's more of, you know, they, they, again, I've always been one to make my own decisions, so it wasn't a big thing. Um, and they've always been supportive. Uh, my family's always been supportive um, of the church and of my decisions, so, yeah, it was, it was nothing. That's good, and that's mm-hmm. different from, from a lot. I guess maybe with your family not necessarily going to the Baptist church with you, that probably made a difference. Because mm-hmm. I imagine if they were going to that church with you, it would have been a much bigger deal for facts. you to leave. Because you don't leave your home church, you know what I mean? Yeah, facts. So, yeah, that, that yeah. but I do, do want to keep in mind, though, that throughout high school, although I went to the Mormon church, um, which is on Sunday mornings, um, my Saturdays were spent at a black Seventh-day Adventist church. So, you know, in order for me to keep my culture and to keep the blackness and the gospel music that I love, mm-hmm. you know, and to just to be around other colored folk like myself, um, <laughs> that was kind of my, you know, my way of, you know, still identifying with the culture, but at the same time, you know, having this, you know, this other set of beliefs. So. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So after being in Utah and, and going to BYU and then transferring, where would you say you're at right now? Yeah. Well, where am I right now? That's a good question. Um. <laughs> You know, I'm going to title this chapter of my life, um, um, you know, finding myself. I think right now, you know, you know, uh, most of our adult life, mm-hmm. you know, because we started BYU together in yeah. 2014. 2014. Mm-hmm. A minute ago. Long time ago. Long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> 
pre-perspectives, pre-back, pre-Black History Month, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so um, yeah, where am I right now? So really, um, I wouldn't. I haven't told many people that I've you know kind of left the Mormon Church. I wouldn't say I've left, but I will say I'm taking a very, 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 very long break for my mental health and for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, most people don't know when they first meet me, but I am. A homosexual. I identify with the oh LGBTQ. I'm sorry. I'm not going to ask you. Why are you saying I wasn't expecting it to come back. Of yeah. course he said like this. You're going to Andre. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, yeah, you know, I identify with the LGBTQ uh, community. I'm openly bi. Um, you know, it's not something I tell people when they first meet me, but, you know, eventually they, you know, they learn. And, you know, I normally give people, well, first of all, if if I meet someone new, they have about two minutes to impress me. And I decide right there if we're going to be friends or not. Um, but for the most part. You were part, not impressed when you met me. That's oh, sure. no. Actually, when I first met Nate, met, Nate, met Nate. <laughs> Nate was a different person back Nate, then. So. We were both different. But when I first uh, met Nate, really fast, to go off topic. You know, he was at this BSU table. And it, it was a summer. So, you know, it's hot. But I it thought. It was I, August. It was. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I wanted to be cute. Okay. So, I wore this sweater. Um, you know, long sleeve sweater. It was, you know, I used to rock my sweater. Still do. And I go up to the table, and I'm like, oh, another black person. Yes. So I go up to him, and Nate, first thing that came out of his mind was, and Nate used to have this real serious face, too. He never smiled. So it was like, <laughs> yo, bro, let me ask you a question, bro. Why are you wearing a sweater? And I thought, I don't know who you think you're talking to, bro, but we can get, we can go at it. Oh, but um, it's crazy because, I mean, Nate has been my literally my best friend since mm-hmm. freshman year of college I mean, um, at BYU. We started going to Genesis together? Facts. We started going to Genesis yeah, singing with the the voices of Jubilee. Oh yeah, we got a, we got a, we got a good yeah we. Yeah. But um yeah, right now I'm just living life. Um, yeah, what what I'm you know learning about relationships, learning about love, learning about. I recently mm. got out of a situationship. Mm. I didn't never never knew what that kind of stuff can do to you. So you know I'm <laughs> learning to get back out there and you know, you know. To go at it again. So there you go. Yeah. yeah, I'm just taking life at a time. I'm still in school, two more semesters. Y'all keep me in prayer. I gotta graduate. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's where I am. I'm just chilling right now, that's enjoying cool. life, finding myself. Mm. Mm-hmm. So if I can ask some specific things about that kind of made you want to take that long, long break for your mental health, um, what were those specific things if you can share? Uh, so let me try to understand your question. So what, what are things that made me take the break that made me step back from the church? Yeah. So like, what are three, maybe three things that you can put a pin on that you're like, okay, this is what made me leave. Yeah. Honestly, I think a lot of black people, we really, especially, you know, African-Americans, cause we do, we take shit in the church that don't know other culture have to take. Uh, even, Amen. even people coming from, you know, the continent of Africa, you know, they don't really, you know, they come here and most of them, not all, most of them really don't even understand what African-Americans go through in the mm-hmm. church. Having to yep. having to attend, not having the option, but having to attend the church, you know, um, closer to your house, um, you know, full of white people. You're the only black person. You have no choice but to go to that church because they won't let you, you know. So, but to answer your question, um, to get back to the topic at hand, mm-hmm. um, I guess the main thing for me, you know, people think that it's, oh, because you're gay. And for me, that was never really, because between us, it's probably more gay people than Mormon church 
then oh, you know, and that's, and that's just a oh, tea. And that's I bet true. you can tell us stuff that listen, we don't even know. Listen, so I can write a book. I can write a book. <laughs> but um, no, but you know, the, the the number one thing was probably the racism. You know, mm. um, I never really felt different. You know, even now, if I go to Mormon church, you know, I don't mind telling people, you know, I'm a homosexual. But the big thing is the black part. You know, um. I remember, you know, watching these, you know, Black Ministers, the last time that, what was the guy at BYU? Uh, oh, Brad Wilcock. Brad, Brother Wilcock. The adored Brother Wilcock. Mm-hmm. When he made his racist statements, you know. promotion at General Conference. Uh, just this. Topic for another time. Anyway, but that that was, I think, the straw <laughs> in the back that made me realize that, like, bro, no matter, you know, what school I go to, no matter how yeah. well I can code switch, no matter how, you know, what degree I have in BYU, you know, you know, no matter what, no matter if I marry in the temple or not, I'm still going to be black to these people at the end of the day. You know, I'm still going to be, I'm going to be a nigga to these people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think that was the reality yep. for me um, is that, you know, when I go to these church, this, you know, this Mormon church, a few of them might see me as Andre, you know, but for the most part, them and their grandparents and their parents and their kids are going to see me as Black Andre, Black Brother Johnson, you know, they just don't sit right with me. Um, so the number one thing is probably the racism. And, um, you know, the church just not really doing enough within the church for black people. You know, sure, they donated some money to the, you know, the NAACP, which is great. And, you know, I, I say donate some damn more. You know, hell, give them more. Um, um, but, you know, you're not even taking care of the, the black people within your church. So I think that was the main thing for me. And, you know, I, again, I'm the blackest person I know. So I really can't feel comfortable going to church, sitting, you know, in the Mormon church full of white people where, you know, if I want to sing, um, you know, a Negro spiritual, it probably wouldn't be allowed depending on the bishop, you know, mm-hmm. um, which brings me to, I guess, my number two. You know, I love gospel music. I love, um, you know, Negro spirituals. I love classical spirituals. I love, you know, the music in general. Hell, I'm spending my life you know, learning about it and majoring in it. So yeah. I want to, you know, be able, when I go to church and worship, I wanted the idea, the idea of being able to express yourself with many different genres. I love that, you know. And I remember one year at BYU, when me and Nate used to go to church together, you know, I was going to sing a hymn, you know, a very respected, well-known hymn. Yeah, I remember that. Um, Greatest I Faithfulness. And the bishopric told me I couldn't sing it because it wasn't in the Mormon hymnal. And that pissed well, me people off. People sing that all the time. Like, that's a very... The, it's a common hymn. It, yeah, you know, yeah, it's a common hymn. And I remember just, that just, you know, really, really pushing it from me. Like, you're telling me I can't sing this, you know. So, and, um, and to put it in context, now you, if you've ever been to uh, an LDS meeting, you know that they perform songs that are outside of the hymn book all the time. You know, people do be doing violin solos and mm-hmm. playing this Wasn't and that. that song, and, Come Thou Found? Isn't that not in... It's There's some song that we sing all the time on the mission. Not it's, in the hymn book. Mm-hmm. It's a mm-hmm. lot of songs that are not in the hymn book. So for him to say that to Andre about a Negro spiritual was mm-hmm. very much out of pocket. Didn't they like, did they go back on it and like, oh, you can sing it or something? Yeah. Like that? So I had someone in the bishop reach out to me, you know, a few days later. I was like, actually, um, you know, I talked to the bishop and um, we're going to let you do it. And I was thinking, damn right, you're going to let me sing this. Baby. I was going to sing it anyway, with your permission or not. <laughs> You know, at that point, I was actually the person over music. You know, I was the, the music chair. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you, yeah. So I was in charge of, you know, all the performances. And for him to tell me that, that just really threw me back. Like, you know. Anyway, so that's probably number two. I guess the third reason 
why I'm not really with the church is probably, uh, and that would probably be the, the bisexual gayness. I don't really see myself marrying a woman, to be completely honest. I do see myself getting married. I don't see myself marrying a woman. If it happens, it happens, but I don't see it. Um, so therefore, I don't really see myself within the Mormon, um, you know, the dream that when you die, you get the you know, live with your spouse for all, you know, time and eternity, which is, you know, great. But, um, and to be honest, even when I was serving a mission in Brazil, when I was, you know, going to church and active, there are some things within the Mormon church and the theology that I just never believed any goddamn way, to be honest with you, because it really right. wasn't important to me. So, um, but again, the gayness in my, um, you know, bisexual or whatever, that was not really a reason I left. The main two, again, was the the blackness part, which, you know, you can't hide that shit. And then the second would be, um, you know, the the limits when it comes to music, what you can and can't do. Mm. So, yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Makes sense for sure. And, yeah, it just, it definitely, you know, I was reading an article, like a research article that talked about, it was talking about black members of the church um, and how there's, like, five different things that you do in the church um, as a black member. You either assimilate which is where you just kind of drop everything um identity wise and you assimilate to fit into the culture of the church mm-hmm. which is very, a very white culture mm-hmm. right um and then there i can't i can't remember all of them but there was that one and then there was where you kind of start to deny parts of yourself and accept certain things but not fully and there's another one where you like embrace your blackness as a member of the church and you just kind of pick and choose what you want to believe. Mm-hmm. And then on yeah, the other yeah. end of it, there was like just kind of leaving all together. Right. Um, and like one other one, I can't remember all of them, but that, that was basically the gist of it. And yeah, from what I've observed, that's kind of how it is with every black person I see. They're either on one end of the spectrum or the other. And mm-hmm. there's, you know, you, you, there's no, there's no way to just fully be yourself within the, the culture of the church and for it to be, like truly healthy you know what i mean like mm-hmm. that was kind of one of the reasons that i decided to leave is because there's no way to just be you like mm-hmm. every time i went into a, a chapel i felt like i had to like shut down a part of myself yeah. or yeah. i feel like i had to put up a wall to protect myself from something mm-hmm. and i was like if i'm feeling stress and anxiety walking into a chapel on saturday morning yeah if i go in here and i'm angry and i don't want to talk to anybody i just want to get in there and then leave Your as day fast as peace. possible right that's supposed to be a day of rest. Why am I feeling more tense, more worked up? Like yeah, right. I, church would stress me out more than going to school, than my job, like anything else. It was on one Sundays, of the biggest stresses in my life. I remember going to church, Nate, and back in our ward at BYU. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, going to church always, you know, you know, always, you know, ready to square up, you know, going to right. church all thinking, just knowing, decent. just knowing in the back of my medubla obligata that somebody was going to say something racist. Somebody was going to piss me off that thing. I just knew. And it never failed. Somebody would always say something stupid. And I would just, you know, and I got tired of always being that black person, me and Nate, saying, well, actually, allow me to give you another perspective. Because, you know, you can't flat out tell them you're wrong. You have to learn how to work with Caucasian folk, you know, speak their language. <laughs> hmm Y'all, I'm laughing so much because I've been friends with Andre so long that I just know him. So I'm so sorry if I'm laughing too much in this episode. But um, yeah, it's crazy because it's crazy if going to BYU, I don't know about you guys, but like you already on the defense on that Sunday mode, right? And like Mm -hmm. having to deal with the church on 
a Sunday basis, feeling defensive. But what's different about a BYU experience or living in Utah is it feels like an everyday defense almost as well. Because you also know that, like, the more firm you become in your own beliefs of, like, being liberal, being open, or, like, just discovering who you are and realizing that, like, some of your ideals just genuinely don't align with the church and realizing, like, I don't agree with the way that these people think as a whole – and realizing you're not just defending yourself on a Sunday, but you're defending yourself every day of the week mm-hmm. in classrooms. You're defending casual conversation, right? And like, like the church just teaches that gay people basically will not go to heaven. Like, people can say whatever way they want to say it, but like for them to be the way they are, which I believe God made everyone the way they're supposed to be for a reason, and mm-hmm. He doesn't make mistakes, and He wouldn't make that be a part of your identity if that's that weren't who you supposed who you were supposed to be. And if that is against what the church teaches, that's against what the church teaches because in order to be fully exalted and live with God again, to be a God and a goddess, you have to be um, eternally sealed to a man or a woman, depending on your, you know, mm-hmm. if you're a male or a female. Did and you know so, apparently they don't teach that anymore? I heard what? that they stopped they stop, they stop saying that that's real, that you become a god or goddess. Apparently that's not part of theology anymore. Wow. Well, I'm going to preach my gospel the one that I was given. So, um, <laughs> they changed so damn my gospel. Mm-hmm. I was getting, I could pull that out. I have the box, the the evidence in my mission box back at home. Not the um, mission box. <laughs> I'm just saying. So I don't you know, know what my mission box said. Every every now and then, I try to look for my mission pictures, my mm-hmm. mission journals. John, don't Listen, know where they at. For whatever reason, I still have all your mission emails. Yeah, in my inbox, so I'll send them to you. <laughs> Please do. I will. I got you. But yeah, that's just like what I feel like has been my experience, and it's made it be like, if just that reality, right? I think coming to a BYU or living in Utah, I always felt more like left and liberal or different things that I didn't agree with church, church theology, mm-hmm. and like just being in more LDS environments, like helped me to realize like I can't just be that person that picks and chooses. Like having that experience over and over, it's like. You can't do that. Like you're contradicting yourself and being a part of this and living in it, um, which I don't know if any of you felt that way at all. And so, no, absolutely, mm-hmm. it's a crazy time. You know, as much as I can't stand Brigham, Brigham them, um, hmm. I think the biggest thing that BYU taught me. Obviously, I don't. I don't take. You know, I don't regret going. Um, you know, I met some of my best friends through BYU. Um, right. You know, and just has a lot of good experiences to be honest, but. Hell, I had more bad than good. But <laughs> my point is, it taught me how to work with white people. Mm-hmm. You know, I think mm-hmm. before, you know, going to BYU, my experience with Caucasian folk was the Mormon church. You know, every Sunday, Wednesday, you know, being with them and, you know, just kind of, you know, seeing, you know, learning how to work with them. But BYU really taught me, you know, how to maneuver and how to, you know, make friends, how to socialize with them, um, you know, and just how to play their game and speak their language, if you know what I mean. So that's probably the biggest thing I got mm-hmm. out of going to, you know, BYU, a P, predominantly white institution. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. For me, I feel like growing up, I was already, I mean, I grew up in the church, right? Mm-hmm. So I always had like that experience of work of being around white people. But you're right. Like, same thing. I didn't really learn how to like talk to white people about race, about difficult things, you know, having to do with being black until I got to BYU because that's really where I like came into my, my black identity as you a whole. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I knew I was a Negro. Mm-hmm. I knew I was, you know, I knew I was Negro, mm-hmm. but at the same time, um, I don't know, growing up in my house was just a different experience. And so there were parts of my identity that just weren't fully fledged. Mm-hmm. And at BYU is where I, once I saw the contrast, and I was like, oh, these people, they don't they don't necessarily accept me for who I am. I got to mm-hmm. be somebody a little bit different yeah. if I want to fit in here. Mm-hmm. And realizing that I wasn't trying to do that for the rest of my life, that's really, 
you know, where I where I got to the point where I was like, okay, this is what I got to do. This is how I got to do it. And you know, I put up some of those walls, took down them, took them down when I needed to. But yeah, mm-hmm. you and me, when we was in church together, man, we was tag team and all kind of things, Ar- arguing with people. Arguing it was I, I in there. It was given tag. You're it. Confronting general <laughs> authorities. You remember that dude? Who was it? The general authority, the seventy that came, mm-hmm. and he's what, what did he say? He said something. We asked him. Oh, they called a new bishopric. That's yeah. what it was. So yeah. they called a new bishopric. Our ward was decently diverse. We had quite a few it, people of color. Facts. And I remember so, this Facebook post. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, I remember that. Woo, Y'all don't yeah. know that Facebook post, Andre? Mm-hmm. Listen, you know, I don't know why people always fought on my Facebook post. I just, I, I literally just ask questions. Yeah. I just I ask though, questions so to ask, and people would you come me, out of yeah. love. You and me used to be fighting, fighting Man, back in the day on Facebook. We I still got screenshots of 600 comments. What? What? I look back, what were we fighting for? Fighting for what? For fucking we what? Was angry, just angry. Wasting, had to put that anger somewhere. Wasting our energy. Mm-hmm. I used to fight people on Facebook for fun, for entertainment, to relieve for the real. stress of being at BYU. Yes, it reduces the anxiety. It really does. Child, nowadays, it's mm-hmm. pull up. Yeah. You got a problem? Pull up. Come That's say it to you my face. From me. Yeah. Mm-mm. Um. So, Andre, I have another question for you. So, yes, kind of talking about just like your sexuality and like understanding that and like coming to terms with it or whatever you kind of want to share what has that experience been like for you and kind of mm-hmm. take us through as, mu- as much of your journey as you want to share yeah. you know just because mm-hmm. knowing you again coming from such a religious background before you in the lds church i'm interested interested to see how that influenced or how that showed up throughout mm-hmm. your journey gotcha um this is a good question rachel well again first of all um i would say it's common than you think to you know for gay people to attend church you know look mm-hmm. at the black church you know as quiet as as quiet as it's kept mm-hmm. Nate. Oh, you yeah. know you Listen. know a lot of choir directors people in the choir a lot of pastors you know mm-hmm. a lot of deacons you know are attracted to the same sex but that's you know that's a conversation for a different day um and within the mormon church as well um mm-hmm. if we're being honest um but, you know, my journey, I guess what really woke me up and, you know, made me say, you know, made me get myself together and um, was the idea that, you know what, because, again, I was almost married to a woman, right? Um, so dating women I was, do remember this. Yeah, I thought I was going, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, you know, I have to tell this girl, like, yo, like, listen, <laughs> I got something to tell you. You know what I mean? Um, and so for me, it was the, you know, the idea that, you know what? You can't put women, the women, no one deserves to be, you know, um, to date someone that they don't really know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was more of, um, you know, Andre, you don't, you know, have the right to hurt women. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it was more of, more of that for me, you know. If you know you're not going to be 100% faithful to a woman, um, you know, don't even try to, you know, waste her time. Don't even break her heart, if that makes sense. Right. So, um, yeah, I think, and probably about two years ago is when I really accepted it. What, you know, 24 years old, 25 or whatever is when I really accepted it. Um, but also, you know, yeah, some people may think, oh, why'd you wait so late? Or, or, you know, why are we just finding out? You know, I tell people all the time, you know, when you tell someone you're gay, you know, ain't no replay. You can't go back and change that shit. You know, you mm-hmm. got to ride that shit out. So um, for me, it was something, all right, Andre, you need to make sure that this is what you really want because, you know, there is no going back and forth, you know. So, um, you know, when I eventually, you know, came out, people, you know, it, you know, honestly, I didn't feel any different, you know, because people, you know, who 
the people who I want in my life, you know, also people who are very accepting. So it's, you know, it's like nothing even happening. Really, it's like, oh, okay, you like what you like, and we're moving on. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, especially family, they were the most supportive. You know, it was like, oh, mm. actually, my dad goes, um, nigga, I knew that already. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, damn. <laughs> Well, damn, daddy. Okay. And that's cool, too, because a lot of black men are very homophobic. Yeah, you, you know, know, I can grasp my dad. My dad is mm-hmm. the most muscling, straight man I know. I've met your dad. Yeah. You look just like him, by the way. Yeah, except he's a big old, mm-hmm. you know, 250-pound linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, straightest man I know, and, you know, he's also the most loving man, the most accepting man I know, too. So I commend him for that. Mm-hmm. That's cool. But, um, no, Rishi, back to your question. Yeah. Um, again, coming out for me wasn't hard at all. You know, I have people who support me. Um, and again, when I meet people, I'm pretty much, I'm the one who decides whether or not we're going to be friends, you know, right. for within the first two minutes. If you give, if it's giving boring, if, I, if I'm saying <laughs> red flags, something not given, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I think something that I probably will struggle with or that I am struggling with. Obviously here in Utah, there aren't many, you know, black people. Hell, all of us know each other, you know? Literally. Um, That's true. So it's definitely not a lot of black people, a lot of gay black people, you know, all of us mm-hmm. know each other. So I think that's been a thing, you know, someone who wants to date, um, you know, black people, uh, it makes it hard, you know, um, mm-hmm. living here. So sometimes, yeah, I do worry about, you know what, I need to hurry up and get graduate and get up out of here so I can go see, you know, <laughs> what God has what? in store for me. Um, yes. You know, but um, also, you know, I'm, I'm someone who, you know, lives day by day. What if, if something happens, it happens for a reason. So, yeah. Love, Love that. that. That's cool. Well, I think, yeah. I think that's about it. Rachel, you got any more questions? Mm-hmm. No, that's it. Yeah. Cool. But I do want to end off with saying okay. for, you know, gay people who are Mormon or who are within the church, um, you know, I never look down upon them. If, you know, if they want to remain in the closet, do it. Because, you know, sometimes for some people, it may be healthier to stay in the church and take that abuse than it is, um, you know, for them to do otherwise. But, um, you know, gay people in general, I always say, you know, they have their own time. I never judge someone who's still in the closet. They definitely have their own time of coming out. Um, so I, I never look down on Mormons who are, you know, gay. Um, and they're not ready yet. Um yeah, I think I know for me, what I didn't want to do is wait until I'm, you know, late 30s, late 40s and then try to, you know, surprise everyone. Hey, y'all, how you doing? I'm one of the girls, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I thought for me right now, this is a time when I need to really mm-hmm. figure out who I really am. And, you know, the people who are with me are with me. And if they not, see you when I see you. You know what I mean? That's cool. So, OK, so I do got one more question then yes, to kind of go like to build off of what you just said. What advice would you give to black people who are trying to figure themselves out in the church and then also to queer people who are trying to figure themselves out in yeah. the church? I'll speak to the Negroes first. No, I'll speak to the black people first. So, you know, again, I also don't look bad upon black people who are still in the church. You know, right. um, the reality is, is that some black people love the church. I can think of a few people. In the 70s, mm-hmm. you know, I ain't gonna, say no, yes, I ain't gonna say no names on the podcast, but yeah, y'all know who they There's are. There's only a few in the 70s to choose from, so you're wrong for that. <laughs> and, but. uh, you know, and they are ride or die with their um Caucasian wives. I love it. I say, if it's for you, if you're black and you're in the Mormon church, if you're happy, 
do it because I know I, I know it makes some people happy. And that's my thing. Whatever makes you happy, whatever makes you closer to God, whatever is good for your mental health, do it. Just don't expect all of us to do it because I, I can't do it no more. I tried and, and, and believe and don't discredit other black people who have a different experience than you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And try to minimize what hap- what they experience or what happens to them. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. So, uh, yeah, I would say to them who are trying to figure it out, you know, take your time, um, figure it out. And for the black people who are in the Mormon church and they don't want to be there, for me, although I left the church, I didn't leave Christianity. I still attend, you know, a Baptist church in Salt Lake City every Sunday. You know, I'm there. Um, I'm one of the pianists there, you know. So just because you leave the Mormon church don't mean you have to leave, you know, Christianity, mm-hmm. you know. Hell, I was Christian before I joined the Mormon church. I'm still going to be a follower and a believer when I leave. Um, I think the Mormon church played a huge part in my life for that specific time in my life. I think I've, I've um, kind of outgrown it, if you will. Mm. So that's my advice I would give to the black people. Um, if it makes you happy, stay. If it doesn't, you'll be happier without it. I promise. That's, that's very um, true. <laughs> and uh, my advice isn't different for the gay people in the Mormon church. Um, I know a lot of gay people within the Mormon church who are there and who are happy, who are flourishing within the I know people in the bishopric who are gay, um, you know, who is secondhand, firsthand to the bishop, and they're happy, you know. Um, but for the, for the gay people who are having questions or, you know, they, you know, they don't feel comfortable in the Mormon church. Bitch, leave. <laughs> leave. <laughs> leave. Go somewhere else. Go somewhere where you appreciate it. Um, and even more importantly, um, you know, don't wait until you're too old to try to find love. You know, if you're gay, mm. listen, tell, put the church on hold, the Mormon church, and try to, you know, figure you out. We'll do what's going to make you happy at the end. So that's my advice. Do you whatever makes if it's if your mental health is most important. I figured that out. My mental health, going to church every Sunday like this and waiting for somebody to say something so I can da 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 da. You know, that's not healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, Sunday should be a day of rest. It should be a day where I can go to church and, you know, you know, bring my cares and my you know, my problems mm-hmm. to the Lord. Now the day that I gotta hit a bitch in the mouth, right, you know, for calling me a Negro, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. If your mental health says stay, stay. If it doesn't, leave. I love that. It doesn't get any more simple than that. Do what makes you happy. Period. Amen. Cool. Well, at the end of every podcast, we always close it out with some recommendations. So just something that we would recommend to people. Um, Rachel, you want to go first? You want me to go first? Um, You go first this week. All right, cool. So it's a little bit too late to purchase them, I think. But for next year... When them Girl Scout cookies go on sale, so done. Get you some Girl Scout cookies. That might be the fattest thing I ever heard you say. <laughs> Listen, you know I love my food. I got a box of Thin Mints in the freezer right now, waiting on I me. I love it. Yeah, Thin Mints are my favorite. Always loved them since I was a kid. Um, but they got a couple new flavors. There's one that's called like Adventure Foods. It's like a salted caramel brownie cookie. Try that one out. But get you some Girl Scout cookies and try to find a little black Girl Scout because that's what I did. I found a little black Girl Scout. In Utah, oh, and I drove all the way out to Bluffdale to pick up them cookies. That's good. Yeah, yeah and they sure were tasty, too. Well, Cause I ain't got no gas to drive there, but I'm dead. Well, yeah, anyway, so get you some Girl Scout cookies next year. I think they go on sale in, like, February, and then you get them in April, March, somewhere around there. So get you some Girl Scout cookies. That's my recommendation. Rachel, what you got? Okay. I'm debating on if I should say this. 
I don't think I said this last... Do you know what I said last week? I don't remember. Because I don't want to get this again if this is what I said. Start saying it. If uh, if it sounds familiar, I'll tell you. Okay. The recommendation is to watch Love is Blind. And Love is Blind. Don't look like that, Andre. This is a good TV show. It's good reality TV. Netflix is in there. Um, I saw this tweet that said Netflix is in their MTV reality TV era, and I agree with this wholeheartedly. It's so good. It's very entertaining, and they are very messy this season. I think this is the messiest season they've had, season four. You don't have to watch the other ones to understand this one. Just jump straight into season four. The live episode is on Sunday, so when this comes out, you'll have time to prepare yourself and watch all of it. Very good. Um, I love it. Um, It's one of my favorite reality TV shows. It's so good, and like I'm dating someone right now, and I was like, what if I just went on there for funsies? And he was like, girl, no. I'm like, I know, but I got to. He said, say it again. No, literally. I'm dead. I'm like, I don't want to find someone, but I'm like, it would be so entertaining to be like a part of the process just because watching it is so insane. And so watching it, you're like, who is being real with these people as this is like playing out? And so I want to be the girl that's like, girl, you're dumb. Or boy, you're dumb. So I wouldn't be there to find love. I'd be there to be the commentator. So no, do I get to recommend something? To you? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, I get to recommend something too. You know yeah, what? Anything. Saw, it can be whatever you want. Something just crossed my mind. You know, in all these various states, people are banning, um, you know, I guess drag queens from performing in certain events, and I thought that was so interesting. I probably never said this on camera, but. Um, are to many people, but my favorite show in the whole wide world that I watch every Friday night is RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm. Period. Literally, I know every black character on the show because that's all I pay attention to Latinas. But long story short, I would recommend um, if you do happen to watch RuPaul's Drag Race, start with season 13. It'll change your life. All right, all right. I have to check it out. I always heard about it. I've seen like little clips here and there, but I never watched. Yeah, it. I think if you like the arts, I think it's a good, good, good show. Mm, okay, mm-hmm. cool. I've only seen clips from when Nicki Minaj went on doing that rap thing she <laughs> did, when she rapped. That's what I know about RuPaul's Drag Race. I'm dead. Also, did y'all know Brigham Young's son was a drag queen? No. Child, Brigham Young was a drag queen. I'm just playing. I don't oh, know, I'm but I, 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 I believe it. To me. I'll believe it. But yeah, he had a son that was a drag queen, a very famous drag queen. Apparently, people used to travel from like all over the country to come see him perform mm. or see her. Did you guys perform. know Elder Gong's son is um, also gay and like has a partner and like um, I was seeing something on Twitter about it and just like mm-hmm. how his the relate like the son is, the son has come out and like spoken about how his parents have treated him and stuff, and mm. it's very interesting. Like, not good things, obviously, but... Right, right, right. Dude, not, I know Elder, not Elder Gong. I know Elder Christopherson's brother, too, is gay. It's right? just interesting. Like, yeah, he, they never talk yeah. about... The, Elder Christopherson has talked about it, but I know Elder Gong has never spoken of that son, mm-hmm. that child. I'm the Elder Gong, if you're watching, no son of we're mine. calling you out. I'm you good. need to talk about... I'm just going to let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> For y'all, before they shut y'all down. They can't shut us down. Period. Let me get a cease and desist. Ah, cool. All right. Well, okay. Yeah. That's, that's all it. we got. Thank you, Andre, for coming on the show. Thank you guys for having me. We'll catch y'all next week. Bye.
Thank you for joining us on the Black Menace podcast today. Make sure to follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at the Black Menaces. And make sure to subscribe to our Patreon, the Menace Society, where you can get bonus content from us on the podcast, as well as extra clips from our videos that we film. And don't forget to email us at blackmenacepodcast at gmail.com for menace moments or any other questions that you want us to answer because this show is for you guys thank you and remember always be a menace thank you <laughs>